Hey now, welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name's Chris Fasser, a.k.a. Coach Fass. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we have Yosef Ferris, head coach at Bullard High School in Fresno, California. Yosef is a great coach and one of the nicest guys in the profession. His teams do things right. The way he conducts himself in this program is second to none. And I'm super excited that you're getting to hear him. Some housekeeping notes, as always, please go on Twitter and follow me at Coach Vass or follow the show at MDGA Podcast. Get in on the conversation and feel free to ask questions throughout the week. Also, as you know, if you've been listening to the program, my mother is fighting stage four stomach cancer and we are raising money for that. You can donate by going to PayPal and sending the money to coachvass at gmail.com or the cash app dollar sign coach vass i appreciate all the donations and kind words that have been sent it's really been helpful without further ado let's get to the show let's get into it man my guest today is Yosef Ferris, head coach of the Bullard Knights in Fresno, California. Welcome, Yosef. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate you having me. Well, I, I'm i really excited that you came on, and, and when I jotted down names for people that I wanted to come on during the Q&A sessions, you were one of the first names I wrote down, and uh, I, feel like, uh, I feel like I have to have you on because... Um, you uh you got the best of me this year. Uh, so yo, uh, Coach Ferris and I played. Was it week three? Week two? Week three? Week three? And yeah, uh, week week three. What was the final? Seventeen to seven. Yeah, I think it was uh, seventeen to seven. I'm really bad seven, with that stuff. Seventeen seven. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Coach got the best of us and you know, pulled out a great win. And he's doing a Real great job at his new school. Well, it's, I guess, new old school. He was, uh, you were a player at your school, right? You played originally? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this you, is my alma mater. And I, I've come back home. I coached there for 14 years, and then I went on and got my first head coaching job, and, and now I'm back and trying to take it over and, and get it going back to where it was when I left. Nice. Well, um, yeah, it's... Uh, Coach Ferris was really one of the first, well, I want to say, I mean, besides Burt Watts at Fresno State, really the one of the only coaches that I know outside of my staff, and we talk ball, and and uh, just a great guy, a great coach, um, really excited to have him, as call him a friend, and uh, really excited to have him on the podcast, and, and so you guys can hear his infinite wisdom, so um, we'll go ahead and get started. <laughs> Uh, first question is from Bruno Bripol, who coaches in Brazil. His Twitter handle is at Coach Bripol. That's Coach B-R-E-P-O-H-L. And his question is, we are facing a team that uses a lot of RPOs from 10 personnel and 11 personnel Y-off, mostly zone bubble and tunnel. Any suggestions to handle that specifically from four down? We're mainly a 4-3 split safety zone match coverage team, but we have an odd front package as well. So I'll start taking this one, and I'll kind of keep it generic because I don't know all the personnel and things, but I will say this. If you're going to play four down and you're going to play RPOs, you have to make a decision. First and foremost, are you going to chase the dive 
or are you going to sit? Now that's assuming you're running zone read, not zone lock. So that's the first thing. If you, I, I will say this. From an ease perspective, I think it's better to sit the end and you know, fit the fit the, uh, the A gap with your middle linebacker and uh, mess around with your end, two gap one of your ends to get your apex guy out of conflict. But we see too many good quarterbacks, or I'm sorry, we see too many good running backs, so I like to chase the dive this podcast and uh, Coach, I forgot to tell you this in the pre-interview. Uh, as a reminder, this podcast will not come out until after you've played this week. So if you talk about your opponent, don't worry. They won't They won't hear it until and, – and I, I talk about my opponents a lot, and it's usually – I mean, it's always good stuff, but I don't want you to worry that you, uh, you're going to be giving away any secrets to your game tomorrow. This is Thursday night. so. For but sure. uh, we're playing uh, – we're playing probably – I mean, I can't af- imagine facing a better prospect. I mean, I – I don't know. He's Kendall Milton. He's the he's the number one running back in the country, I believe, or number two running back. And uh, he's up there for sure. Yeah, I text and you played him too this year, right? We uh, we only got to see him for two plays, and then he, he his quad started acting up, so we didn't have to defend uh-huh. him the whole game. But he is a he is a, a stallion. He's definitely worth the hype. He's very very good running back. I texted Schumann, who's uh, Glenn is the co DC at Georgia and a friend of mine. I said, Hey, can you tell Kendall you need him? You need him for March and uh just text him and tell him to take it easy. Maybe we take this weekend off. <laughs> that didn't work. That that plan didn't work. Um but uh so anyway, they don't run the much zone read games they did last year, but even last year they had a sophomore quarterback, they have a sophomore quarterback again. And they have Earl freaking Campbell at running back. So I don't care what your defense is and what your structure is. I don't if they're gonna let me decide whether he gets the ball or not, I don't want him having the ball. So I like to chase the die. So if you're gonna do that, and and really it it depends. I think 10 personnel, 11 personnel is a completely different conversation. 10 personnel is easier because it's it's two formations, two by two or three by one. I think you have to figure out a way. I think if you're gonna sit the end, you need to get your weak safety in the run fit versus three by one. You can do a lot of stuff in two by two and you can play games, but really it comes down to three by one. Really, if you if you yeah. want to chase the dive, there's two things that you can do. You can either uh play man and get your 50 linebacker to the back to run outside and play the quarterback, or you can play like three buzz versus trips. Uh if you don't want to sit the end. Or if you do want to sit the end and let the quarterback hand the ball off and you want to play split safety, the easiest way is to do what Alabama does, set the three to the field, get the weak safety in the B-gap fit, or knock the ball out to the corner with some sort of trap coverage and let him hand it off. And again, I don't know if you're playing zone read or zone lock or you know, stretch. It just says you know bubbles, and it sounds like bubble, zone bubble, and zone tunnel. I mean, that sounds like your traditional horizontal RPOs. If you're playing the 11 personnel YAW stuff, I would consider using your odd front package, um, what some people call tight or mint. That way the B gaps are covered up and you get out of conflict and you can really give a division of labor um, in terms of, okay, you're going to play the run, you're going to play the pass, so you don't get that conflict. 
But uh, that that's my kind of opinion on the 10 personnel stuff. I mean, really, if you're going to chase the dive, you got, like I said, you got two options, play man or play three buzz, which is very similar anyway. And I would set the, I mean, you can set the three away from the back and have the end chase. If they're a zone lock team, if you're saying zone bubble, I'm imagining it's zone read. So one thing you can do, and what you got to be careful of, if it's zone, if it's zone read, you know, we tell we tell our guys, hey, if the guy if the back's to you, you're you're out of the fit. If he's away from you, you're in the fit. Well, in three by one, and that backs to the to the field, you need a quarterback player. Well, if it's your split linebacker who's splitting the difference between three and the end man, well, now you've got three on three in the bubble, and you're and the third guy is coming from ten to twelve yards deep, and so you kind of need him half in the run game, half out of the run game. Um. Again, you're getting the ball into the hands of the quarterback. If, if that back's really good, you're getting it out of their best player. But now you got to defend three plays. You got to defend the zone part, the keep, and the bubble. I, I used to say, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna make them pull it and do all this stuff." But teams have gotten so good at it. It's kind of like part of me says, "Let's just sit the end, let him hand it off, and defend just one play instead of three. So that's kind of I kind of go back and forth on this. Uh, Yosef, I don't know how you feel about this. I know this is kind of I answered my answer took a while, but uh, how do you feel about that? I, you know, uh, you know, listening to him, it's, it's with the RPO games and everything. I, I I really love the mint front and the tight front. Um, I don't like to defend ten personnel, especially from a four down. That's just that's just me because I like to get that player out of conflict. Um, and so the mid front kind of, kind of really helps us with that because you got six gaps inside and, and playing those four eyes, it allows you to take away those B gaps and then play the, the nose on the lag and the, and the inside backer in the front a gap. So you're spilling, you're spilling the, the zone play to your, to your leverage guys. And, you know, two by two, you know, we, we feel we, we got the numbers because now we can definitely take the RPO guy out of conflict by bumping our backers. So that 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 way to the number three guy. So to, if it's two by two, it'd be your running back. So you're going to bounce your backer to your running back, and now you you're taking that basically that hang defender out of conflict, and he can play the RPO, um, the bubble screens, and 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 kind of the, that horizontal RPO game. It doesn't scare me as much as much as the vertical when they start getting downfield. Um, you know, we we work a ton of a ton of uh, screen defenses or bubble screen defenses with the with the bubble and go and who's got the bubble who's got the lock we call it a lock screen and um so from a from a too high you know quarters pattern read coverage defense um for me the best the best way to defend the rpo game is out of the mint front or the tight front you know what we call uh, with with those four eyes it just allows you to gap up in the box better and when you're bumping those backers over um, and you're able to take the guy that is in conflict, because usually the RPOs are going to come to the same side as the tailback. I know you're, they're starting to see some opposite RPO game coming um, or what we call a, a, a pre-snap leverage read, where if they got leverage to either side, they're going to throw the key screen or, the, or the, the wide receiver screens or the bubbles. But for us, the hardest play to defend, like you just said, is, when it's within the play and now they're putting a conflict player that has both a run gap and a pass drop um, in conflict, 
and they're making him play his run responsibility and then pulling and throwing right behind them. I think the best way to do it is find a way to take that guy out of conflict. And for me, our best way to do that is, is the three down uh, in the four eye out of a four down, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't ran a four down in a while, so I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly how I would go about doing it. So, Bass, I'm going to say your answer with the four down was pretty spot on. I have a version, and I don't keep many secrets. It's not something that I'm – I mean, I have a I have a radio. I keep saying radio. I have a podcast. I, I am really just a sucker for old radio. I, I really just want a radio program, but – I have found a way to do it, but it's one of the only things that I won't talk about <laughs> because uh, I, I don't see anybody else doing it, and I don't think anybody else has figured out what we're doing. And I know I'm going to get six thousand DMs, and guys, please don't be upset with me. I'm not. It's just, I'm going to keep it under lock and key for right now. Um, if you can get a hold of our film and figure it out, more power to you. Uh, but if you get mad at me that I won't tell you or won't talk about it, just remember all of the cool stuff that I brought to your life. I don't want to hear about this one That's thing right. that I don't that I that I won't talk about. Um but there's a way you can play and it and it's a it's a combination of a of a few different ideas, but I found a way that you can play split safeties and play four down and not have your overhang in conflict and still defend the RPO game. So, but it's one of those things that I think, I think if people figure out, they can, they can mess with you. And I think they're, I don't, I don't think it's not easy just to figure out, see it and look at it and figure it out. That's why, cause a lot of things it's like, yeah, I'll talk about it. Cause it's easy to figure out. You can figure it out anyway, but so I'm just going to shut up now before I start getting a lot of, uh, DMS and stuff. Um, yeah, I, you know what's funny though, Yosef, about the mint stuff, the tight stuff is, and I was kind of upset, kind of mad at myself last year. And, and I, I, high school's high school, and I know, you know, you just got to do some things. I think sometimes I get too like we got to play things by the book, and you know, you know, I, I've I've been able to strike up, say, a relationship, but I, I've been lucky enough to sit down with Pete Golding, um. You know, I, I've I've struck up an actual relationship with Ron Roberts and some of these guys. And, you know, they see things that we don't, and teams can make them play, you know, pay. Like, if teams don't run down the field RPOs, I'm not going to defend them. I'm going to play an older-style defense. I kind of joke around that I have right. spread defenses from different eras. Like, I got my 2008 spread defense. I got my 2012 spread defense. I got my 2014 2013 spread defense where you're just defending horizontal game, you know, and then I've got stuff like I don't worry about defending the down the field stuff if the team doesn't do it because that's real hard just to put in. But, you know, yeah. I talked to these yeah. guys. I went and I learned the mint package and, and really sold out to it last year and during the bye week and a little bit during the preseason. And then it come to find out that those guys don't even really like playing it versus 10 personnel. I like it. Yeah, they like it versus 11. Right, and when I think, and I don't even know right. what we did when we played you, but yes, they only like it for eleven, some twelve, and twenty. Um, I don't even remember what we did when we played you because we changed what we do so much week to week that I kind of brain dump just because I got to move on to the next. 
but we'll do the mint front um but we'll do it out of dime personnel which i think lsu or i think texas does it a lot more than lsu where instead of walking up the jack so those of you guys know what i'm talking about versus the mint front the tight front versus two by two you got the four i zero four i got two thirty backers and two overhangs right three by one a lot of people do it differently but the kind of the consensus is the weak side jack walks walks up off the edge uh then one of your backers walks out of the box what we did was we have a couple different ways we do it but we actually when we play dime personnel we kind of get into a uh uh an iowa state look versus three by one where it's one backer and two overhangs still and we only ha- we don't have anybody off the edge still if we're in that dime personnel because it doesn't make sense for me to put in a db and then line them up off the edge and rush uh, but if we are in the four down tight world, which is so weird because the whole tight front thing is three, four teams went to four down versus nickel and didn't like their way to get into three, four versus 11 personnel. So now they get an odd fronts out of their even front personnel, even though they're an odd front team. It's it's like backwards. But anyway, so that's how we've yeah. done it. But yeah, yeah so I, I went and I learned this defense and learned all the bangs and whistles. And then they're like, yeah, we don't run. I go, how do you do justice versus 10 personnel? Oh, we never do. We never do it versus 10. Okay, fine. Then you put on the film and you notice, hey, all these SEC teams, they're in 11 personnel, but they got a tight end flexed out as the number three receiver, and they're in 10 personnel looks. And lo and behold, they're playing mint. And I'm like, okay, they're in stubby, special, lock, whatever you want to call it, to trip. So the deep safety has the vertical. And all that's different is, the, the D end is rushing off the edge, but if that guy's a receiver, which they play that coverage anyway, if it's four down, they play the same coverages, but now they don't like the mint. And I just, I just don't understand, but whatever. I, they're smart. Yeah, you know, to make more money than me. I, I, I like the mint against 10. You know, I, I fell in love with it. I actually, you know, I was a four, two, five guy, you know, much like you are not as, not as detailed in the TCU stuff as you are, but we ran a four-two-five, and you know when I went off to Madera, and just we just didn't have, we just didn't have uh, D linemen or D ends, and we had, we had a lot of linebacker type guys. I, I I wanted to kind of explore the the three down look, and you know I actually ran into Ty Gower at a Glazer clinic, who's you know who was at Norman North at the time, and he's at Princeton in Texas now, but. I listened to him talk on the, the, the four eye stuff and I said, Man, this fits up pretty much just like the four two five does against ten personnel, the way I liked it and the way I understood it and I just kinda of fell in love with it from there and we run it pretty much against everything unless you get into unless you get into twenty one personnel and then we're gonna slide to just an under front and an old school right. eagle and, and, and play ball that way. Yeah. I'm gonna I I'm I've been toying with going to a three four. I still keep in my uh, terminology. I'll never get rid of the terminology because I think that's the foundation of what we do, or you know, have it to to take care of some things. We've built some one word calls, but that flexibility, I just I, I don't know what I would do without it. But that's kind of my yeah. experiment this off season. Is, okay, I want to learn the three four from the start, even though I know it's technically a three three five personnel. It's not a thirty stack, but it's a three three five personnel. Um and yes. and learning how to build a defense from there instead of reverting back to it just so I know how to do it in case I ever really have to. 
But anyway, right. so uh, thank you so much for that question, Bruno. Let's move on to the next question. Terrence Gant. His Twitter handle is at Terrence underscore Gant. That's G-A-N-T. He's uh, He asked questions most week from Santiago High School in Corona. His uh, question is, do you track, give, keep during film study against zone read teams? And do you force give keep against these teams? Uh, yeah, I don't really keep a tally. We have a column, like if, if they're a real, uh, you know, zone read team, we have like a give keep column. But I don't put much stock into that because if they sit the end, you know, if the if the defense they're playing sits the end, they're going to hand the ball off every time. If they chase, if they slam down, they're going to pull it every time. So it's not really what they're going to do, um, you know, what the offense wants to do so much as what is the defense they're playing do. Now, um, in terms of do we force it, yes. We we definitely, every call we fit, it's funny. They used to say, oh, we fit every call. I mean, you, you watch any clinic tape, you know, before the year, I don't know, 2004, 2005, and everybody says, oh, we fit every coverage up to triple option, all that stuff. Well, now we fit everything up to zone read. So everything has a zone read rules. Right. And those ends are knowing, are we ch- you know, are we chasing the dive or, or are we sitting? And then so what we do, and this is uh, we used in Millsaps, is, I guess, TCU terms. They call it um, a bomber. Like, so they're chasing the dive. So it's bomber technique, and then the backer knows if it's bomber, they have the quarterback. And then if they're sitting, we call we tell the linebacker they're a tracker. They're tracking the back. So, and yes, we are that we start all of our game planning versus zone read teams. The first question we ask is who do we want to carry the ball? And that may be a personnel thing or a structural thing. You know, um, I, and I know this sounds weird, but. Um, you know, if we have a safety that's not really good at, at forcing the issue to the weak side and coming down and playing the run, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let them hand the ball off and let him run it in that in that B gap. Or if the quarterback's quicker, I mean, the the easier solution is if the quarterback's fast or the back's fast. But sometimes it's not; it's the other pieces around them. But yes, we we have that. Uh, we have that in every call. What about you guys? So, you know, uh, I'm going to put my four down hat on right now because this is something that we used to do in a four down. Um, you know, we, we'd always want to set the three shade to the tailback because uh, we wanted to take away cut back and those things and let our, uh, especially if we're playing a zone read team and let our linebackers really play downhill and not have to worry about slowing down for the cutback. But when we did, when we, and when we did, Put the three shade opposite the um, the tail uh, the tailback. So in an over call, uh, we would make an eat call, and what our eat call basically did is told our end and our and our weak side backer that was playing the B gap they were going to gap exchange, and then that's how we took the ball out of the. Uh, if we didn't want the tailback to to carry it anymore, and we really wanted to chase down from the backside, that's kind of how we did it, and we put the will now on the quarterback on the edge, um, and that that. We, anytime we had an open B gap to the same side as the tailback, and we, we really didn't want that 
because zones really meant to cut back, right? It's really press the heels and then cut back right there in that B gap. So offenses really like it when you leave that backside B gap open. So we just gap exchanged whenever we did that. And we built the wall to the front side and said, you know, you're not going to be able to push us around on the front side of the play. And we still want our play side linebacker to play fast. So we're going to make an eat call and just take the end to the tailback and gap exchange with the backside guy. Um, and then if we put the three shade to the tailback, then we knew that our defense was going to sit and he's going to play a surf technique and, and, you know, key off of that mesh and, and basically play, you know, cut back to cue. Uh, but we, we felt pretty strong when we had the three shade set to the tailback that that cutback wasn't going to happen. And uh, our linebackers were going to be able to play fast downhill um, because we're not a, we're not a big lateral step linebacker team. We're more of a downhill team. Um, I know that I know a lot of college guys are a lot of lateral steps and they, they, uh, they overlap each other. We're more of a downhill one gap, one player kind of defense. And so uh, the way we exchanged gaps on the, on the, on the zone read was we would switch where the three shade was. And if we put the three shade to, uh, or opposite the tailbacks, and we would gap exchange on the backside and, and say the quarterback's going to have to pull the ball. Yeah, we, uh, for what you're saying is offenses really like it when you put the G to the back or the two out of the back. And and for years, until power read and all that stuff became prevalent, and I, along with TCU, along with what we did at Millsaps, all those, that family of guys, we ran set aim and set a bomber, which basically puts a three to the back and slants him weak uh, or slants him away from the back because if you just line up and basically we were getting to where the three was away from the back, but we were slanting and making the ball cut back because if you just line up there with one and a five to the back, they can dick with you. They can step down like they're going to make you start to chase the, the dive and then turn back out. People said, oh, we don't see that in high school. We saw it in practice all the time. Our our tackles were really good, and yeah. we had an amazing coaching staff. And we we would just line up in what we called Wildcat G, and it was a problem. Now, we'll do it now, but we put the end of the back and the four, and we two-gap them. We'll slant around. We'll do different things. But we're not seeing – I mean, early in the year, we saw some 10 personnel zone read. Uh, with the with the the bubble stuff, but we're seeing more of the the down the field RPOs. Uh, a lot of teams that we've played, the horizontal RPO game has run its course, and I think some of the mint stuff has done a really yes. good job taking people out of it. Now, you said something interesting. You said that you don't you, your backers play downhill, but how do you achieve that when you're playing mint? Like, cause that was the hardest thing for us last so, year. Me, me, I, was, I, was, I was talking – no, I was talking from a four down. Uh, Got it. I was saying that. So, our lineback, our linebackers and our mint, because, you know, it, it, that thing bottles up. They got to hunt. They got to hunt and, uh, and, and scrape. So, there's a lot of fallback techniques and, and, and things like that in the mint. The mint's, the mint's a completely different animal. That's why we don't, we don't get to a four down front too often because it's hard to teach both techniques to those linebackers. Oh, Lord, do yeah, so but really the only time we get to a four down is if, uh, you know, if you're a 21 personnel team, which seems to be kind of obsolete um, in this area at least. And, uh, and then we're, then we're going to play a slow, fast, slow kind of uh, a linebacker key. 
Interesting. Yeah, I uh, I was just curious. Yeah, that's why I was hesitant to run in the first. Well, and especially because, you know, and I had Pat Fox on when I first started the new podcast. Uh, he's one of my first guests, and we still use a lot of his linebacker reads, and they have answers. Like, okay, we have this gap of reading the cross pull, the guard tackle ball was near back. If he goes here, you do this. If he goes there, you do this. And then, you know, the back reads come into it and, and, and having a, uh, you know, using the back and then looking at the back and the under keys or whatever, you know, whatever you call it, come into play. But the the read, the tempo, the back thing was just too, to borrow a phrase from George W. Uh, George, it wouldn't be George W. Bush. It would be George Herbert Walker Bush. Voodoo. I call it voodoo. The voodoo economics line was like voodoo linebacker reads like, <laughs> I, I there's a very there is a linebacker coach from a very good school who uh sat with me and talked about their reads and he was like we just we just read the back I'm like what do you mean he's like we just tempo the back and their reads are are yeah. uh are just literally like chasing a running back under shoots and i don't know if it was just too gray area yeah. for me and this is maybe just being a football coach and I need to let go and let guys play, but it was too like mysterious or like mystical for me. Like just, just tempo the back. I'm like, nah, I need a little bit more than that. <laughs> so I'm glad yeah. to hear I'm not the only well, I one. I think me and you kind of came. Yeah. Me and you kind of come from the, the, the same deal. I mean, when I first started learning defensive football, even when I played linebacker, it was, guard keys you know guard it's the triangle guard to the to the backfield you know and that guard's going to tell you everything you're going to do um and that helps with like wing t and misdirection offenses if you face those you know because you can't just go from key in the back to when you play those teams keying guards all of a sudden um which i feel is as very is is a necessity to, to be successful against those kind of offenses Absolutely. So my next question is from Boone Patterson. He is coaching at Snook High School in Snook, Texas. Uh, one of the coolest names of any coach I've ever seen and one of the coolest schools names. Um, his, his Twitter handle is at Coach M-B-P-A-T-T. I'll let you take this one first. I think I'm supposed to let you take the last one first. I apologize. I jumped all over it. His question is, what base fronts and garbage hey, yeah, well, you know, but if if you're not here, it's I don't have much of a show. So uh, his question is, what base fronts and coverages do you install with your sub-varsity, specifically junior high, 7th and 8th grade defenses, if you have that sort of scenario? And what do you consider the absolute necessary schemes to master with younger kids in your program? So, you know, this is my first year uh, back in this program. Um, and so we're, we're kind of switching everything that, that had been done there previously, you know, we're, we're basing from a three down. Um, and so I've met with our middle school staffs and, uh, you know, we wanted to install three down as well, but we didn't want them to have to, to play the mid front or things like that. So kind of what we've given them is, you know, the, the old school, uh, you're always bringing a fourth guy, you're getting to a reduction, you're just not letting the, the, the offense know where the reduction is pre-snap. It's going to happen post-snap. And so right. we're, one, of those, one of those hang defenders are always coming. Um, and really the only coverage that they run 
behind it is cover three. Um, I think that's the base coverage, especially at the junior high. Uh, when you're not facing these dynamic passing offenses, um, you want them just to understand, you know, um, curl flat, you know, uh, leverages, uh, you know, dividers um, and things like that. And you just start teaching those and making sure your coaches at the, 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 the younger levels understand dividers and, and middle thirds and, you know, playing two verticals or four verticals and, and things like that. And that, and that's where we start with the middle school guys. Um, the, the only, the only, uh, the only five man blitz that they get is, uh, you know, the NCAA uh, America's blitz. Um, uh, we, we, we let them run that one, but for the most part, they're only bringing four and they're getting a reduction either, you know, from the field, from the boundary, uh, opposite the back, same side as the back. And we're, we're starting in a two high. And then they're, you know, at the, at the snap of the ball, they're replacing the guy that's coming. And so they're getting to a middle field close defense. Um, and they're pushing everything to the middle field safety. And, and that's kind of what we teach our, our middle school, our middle school kids this year uh, in year one um, our we are, we don't have a freshman team this year. We're going to bring it back next year, but by now our, our freshmen and our JV are on the same, same team. Um, and we have one staff and we tried to start off with them kind of learning the mint front and running just palms behind it. And, you know, just uh, solo or, you know, poach three defense and trips. Um, they struggled with it. So what we've gone to now is, same kind of thing that the middle schools are doing uh, with just a, a reduction coming from one way or the other and cover three behind it. Uh, we let them run a little bit of cover one. Um, and then again, their five man blitz is the NCAA and, um, and, uh, and they have one cover zero blitz. Um, but, you know, for the most part, we're a three down team. Our teams are going to learn how to be a three down from an early age. Um, and they're going to learn little bits and pieces of our total package. Uh, and so when they get when they get they get up to me now, they know they know our reduction defense. They know our cover three defense. They know dividers. They know leverage. They know middle field close. And then we start to teach them more of the pattern match, uh, how to base key out of the mint when they get when they get to us. And we want them we want them to to play aggressive at the lower level. So when we teach them blitzes at the varsity level, they're not, they're not as foreign to it, or they're not just robots that have been taught the key, key, key. We want them to kind of, you know, attack, attack, attack. And then when we get to the varsity, then we'll pull them back a little bit and we'll teach them to key a little bit more. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of like uh, reverse engineering, I guess, you know, it's, Every, a lot of people will say, well, teach them to key, 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 and, and the fundamentals. I want to teach them to attack, 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 because, you know, sometimes at the lower levels, you, you're, you're getting a, a hobby coach that comes in and out of the, uh, of, the, of the program, and you don't know what kind of coaching is getting done down there. Um, and so you just want, you want to make sure that when they get that base foundation of the keying system that we run, that it's taught by one of our, our high school coaches. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. When I was at Sarah, um, I did not make the – well, I taught the lower levels of our defense. 
Um, but I did not make him run it because so much of what we do is so weird and difficult. Um, and I want things done a certain way. My whole thing was like, well, you know, if it's not done exactly how I want it and people don't feel comfortable doing it, I'd rather teach them something completely different, uh, completely new and have them teach something that they didn't feel comfortable with, teach it incorrectly. Or, you know, it's one thing to teach something off of a, off of a sheet. Like I, I can, you know, if you show me something, I can go teach it all day, but I don't know exactly what I'm looking for and how to fix it. If there's a problem and whatnot. And my whole thing is you know, right. kids, kids remember the first thing you tell them. And so if you, if you mess it up, you know, I'd rather a kid, for example, I'd rather a kid not learn how to play press coverage till he comes and sees me than play press coverage for two years and it be jacked up. And now I got to coach him out of bad habits. If that makes sense. Um, in terms yeah. of the lower levels, I don't really care. I'm more worried about the language system than I am than I am the techniques. And I and I liked our lower level coaches to have fun. And it depends on the personality of the guy that's coaching. Um, I have not done a good enough job at this school with getting the lower levels on board. And, and ultimately, it's my responsibility to get them to do it. And I just. I know these guys are putting in a lot of time for me. It's I, I know these guys are putting in a lot of time and maybe this is a cop out and I'm just full of crap, but these guys are putting in a lot of time. I want them to have fun. I'm more interested in these lower level coaches having a good time, having more ownership, really fired up and getting these kids to play with passion. And okay, maybe I got to change a few words. Then micromanaging them, micromanaging them, and saying you got to do this and you got to do that, and they're like, "This is boring." I want to, you know, I want to drop my own plays and whatever, and uh, you know, being a robot for me, I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. I know there's a lot of people that might be like, "Oh, that's awful." You have this system, you know, you, they need to learn it. But I think that stuff is overrated sometimes because I can barely get my—I mean, I can barely get my varsity players to remember it from year to year. <laughs> so. And we, we do so much stuff on defense. I mean, it's like, okay, so, yeah, great. They've spent their freshman year and sophomore year learning day one of our defense, and now there's eight days of defense or we are, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just want yeah. guys to learn the fundamentals. I want them to learn how to get off blocks, tackle, pursuit of the football, place, learn how to play whatever zone coverage or pattern matching coverage it is. I don't really care exactly what. I just want them to learn the theory behind it. And then I want them to learn how to play some sort of man coverage. Obviously, uh, with us being a four-down team, I want them to play some sort of shade defense. I don't want them, you know, I don't want them to gapping and whatnot across the board. Although, if I can get a JV and freshman coach to get our guys to two-gap and be good at it, hell, I might just, <laughs> just two-gap. But you know what I mean? Like, I want them to learn the theory of the game, and I want them to learn. I'm more interested in them knowing what man coverage is and how to execute it than do exactly everything that I'm saying. So that's my take on it. Right, yeah. Get their, get their football IQ up, you know. That's kind of why I think cover three is a great coverage to have at the lower levels because it teaches dividers, it teaches leverage, it teaches where your help is, you know. 
Um, but yeah, I agree with you 100%. Tackling and pursuit is the biggest thing that they got to get done down there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this one, this will be a quick uh, question. This is from Austin Scott, who coaches DBs. Um, his his Twitter handle is uh, A6Land, A-C-I-S-L-A-N-D-15. And he coaches at Robert Byrd High School in Clarksburg, West Virginia. And his question is, what ways do you communicate calls to your defense, coverage calls, stunts, and blitzes, et cetera? Our front six have wristbands. Our back end gets a coverage call. Our front six and back five are completely separate from each other. The backers have to get both calls, but it's communicated to them from the safeties. And that is how we do things. We have a few one-word calls that we have put in uh, this year. Um, One thing that I have found is, going back to the mint package stuff, uh, some of those calls are hard to do in a TCU sentence style structure. And the reason being is you will get some of the mint blitzes, for example, um, where it'll be like, okay, you're going to align to the tight end, but then the nose is going to slant to the back and then the backer is going to blitz the egg app away from the back. Well, how do you communicate that? And so there's some of that stuff has been one worded. Some of our exotic calls have just become too long. Not even exotic. Like one that came to mind is earlier in the year, we ran a blitz where if it was two by two, we brought the we set the front to the field. We brought a smoke uh, a blitz off the edge, and we played you know two under four deep and put a defensive end on the on the back. And then if it was three by one, we set the front to the boundary, brought the corner, and played. Palms, you know, palms over two and three with the corner pressed up on one. Most people know it's a stubby or special and manned up to the boundary. Well, that's a lot to communicate. I mean, it's, you know, doubles, you know, two by two field G, trips, boundary G. It was just, you know, one call of the end was taken the back and the other one, the backer had the back was just too much. So we one word it, but that's how we do our communication. I don't know, coach, how how you do yours. Yeah, we, we, you know, we signal it in and, uh, you know, everybody, everybody knows the signals and and what, what pertains to them, you know, our D line, you know, they know we're going to start off in the mid front and then, and then there'll be a call that tells them what the blitz is and, and, and that what, but we try to keep everything to three words maximum, um, you know, so, you know, the first first signal is going to be a two-by-two two coverage. The second signal is going to tell us how we're going to treat three-by-one. And then the third signal is the blitz. Uh, we do have some one-word stuff uh, very similar to you, but that's kind of when we get into our sim pressures and, and our, our creepers and, and things like that um, or our cover zero blitzes where the coverage is just – the coverage is already known by everybody when we call the blitz. They know exactly what they're getting into. Um but for the most part, you know, we're signaling it in. Uh, everybody's looking to us. And uh, then the linebackers will communicate just to make sure the D linemen know uh, exactly what they're in. Uh, and then the safeties will communicate to the corners so that everybody understands exactly, you know, who's responsible for the flat, who's, you know, what coverage we're in, or if we got to make a, a certain check, you know, like a tight tight split on the backside of trio or trips and we got to make a Connie call, you know, 
that they're communicating the checks within the play uh, from the safety position. Yeah, absolutely. That's good stuff, man. Okay, so my next question is from, well, it's from Wade Floyd. He wants to know when I'm launching my course on defending the double wing. Uh, Wade is the uh, CEO, <laughs> president of Coach Tube. Uh, thank you for submitting your question, Wade. I, dr- I totally dropped the ball. I was supposed to get this done, and then I had to form a podcast, a new podcast, and a website in like three days. All hell broke loose, and then for those of you who know, my mom got sick. It's just, it's been, it's this, the season has been since beginning of July. It's been an absolute shit show, um, and so I totally dropped the ball. I got half of the first video done. Um, so, but I'm looking forward to in the off season getting some of the stuff done and and putting together some things. So we'll get that out. But my next actual question, Craig Ryan, who's the uh, He's the D.C. and linebackers coach at Centennial High School in Roswell, Georgia. His um, Twitter handle is at CoachRyan46, which is, that's sweet. That's a, uh, that's a sweet, sweet uh, handle. So his question is, uh, trips in the boundary. Um, he said he's, he's seen it quite a bit this year and got exposed a couple times with fast screen and stretches. Due to being having a young, inexperienced, and weak defense, um, obviously, as the non-scheme things change, we'll get better. But looking for a couple options to implement. Um, so I, I don't know if you let's take this one first. You know, what are some stuff you like versus FI? So I think I think you really gotta you really gotta break them down in that in those formations you got to make cut-ups you got to understand what is their fingerprint when they're doing that you know um because tree you know trips into the boundary can really really cause you some problems um you got to decide are you going to carry your nickel over there or are you going to keep them to the field you know we're going to keep them to the field because um if they motion back and then they get into some you know if they can if they can dictate where my, my my nickel is or my field player is i'm not a real big fan of that um i do know that I do know that, you know, Saban and, and, and those guys went to the mint. It's the matchup tight, right? So they could bring that guy over and then they'll motion right. back across. We're not that we're not that far into the mint package. We're still gonna keep our nickel there because we feel that our, our Jack is a pretty athletic kid in his own right. But we're for sure going to press number one. Whatever whatever the coverage is behind it, we're for sure pressing number one to the boundary because we don't want them to to throw the key screens or the wide receiver screens to those guys, um, you know, coming from, you know, studying the Mazzoni offense and things like that. They, they love to run trio to the boundary. And if you don't, if you don't press one, well, they're, they're going to throw the key screens all day over there uh, just because they feel like they got the numbers and it's just an extension of the, of the, of the tackle box. Um, but we're, we're going to walk down. Um, we'll probably play uh, some type of uh, stump. Or stubby, I'm sorry, we'll play stubby because we're going to be pressed up on one. But we're going to take our jack out there and, and, and kind of, uh, uh, you know, read number three. Um, it's it's a short it's a short edge, but we're still. I don't want I don't like giving up leverage and trio to the boundary um, because of those key screens. And then we're going to bounce uh, our backers, and we're still going to have C gap presence with the uh, the will with the mic in the middle of the box. Um, and depending on what kind of receiver you know, that is, that's left, left alone to the field. Um, if we feel good in a matchup out there, 
we will walk up and press them. Uh, I know, I know there's some guys that say you should never press the solo receiver to the field. You know, if my, you know, if my Jimmy's better than your Joe, then, then we may do it. But for the, for a base point, we're probably going to run some type of cone, you know, some type of cone concept over there um, with playing that, that, that DB off. And then you have the extra hang defender in the nickel. So you still, you're still gapped up. You still have leverage on the defense on both sides. But the biggest thing is you're not giving up the uh, you're not giving up the, the leverage on the key screens, and you're not getting outnumbered over there to that trio trio to the boundary or trips to the boundary uh, formation. Um, that's kind of my base philosophy going in. Again, you you really gotta really gotta study the film and kind of see what is their identity in that formation. Um, you know, because it's kind of you know it's bunched up over there, so you could treat that kind of like a or stubby, and uh, and we're gonna bump a little bit over there with the inside backers, so we still have some C gap presence and we still have leverage on our defense. We're still keeping a safety in the corner on that solo receiver, and you still have alley, you know, stack force alley support to the field as well with the nickel and the and the free safety. That's good stuff. Um... We do the same thing like you. We study what the team's going to do. Um, we used to set our nickel to the field and have a three-by-one check, which we play called roll, basically cover three. Usually press one, but we actually, in this, because we were playing three deep, we would press the – we would bring our weak safety down and have him just beat the ever-living crap out of number two. Outside shoulder and just destroy number two. And we would play a sky concept to the field. Um, however, the problem became, and we were not the only ones that experienced this, is that we have this intricate defense with a lot of different things, and now a team can line up in a formation and get us into a vanilla look. And I hated that. And so if I see formation the boundary, the first thing I check is are they is it are they a formation the boundary team or do they have a formation the boundary package? Why are they doing it? Are they doing it because they really want to run to the right and they don't care if it's to the right or not? Like the team we play this weekend uh, coming up or tomorrow, uh, they they run a lot of formation the boundary, not a lot but enough. They run to the boundary like they they just want to run to the right behind their stud tackle. And so they don't care. So is it that? Are they trying to out-leverage you? Are they trying to get you to suck in the boundary and run in the field? Are they trying to get one-on-one? That's what we try and do. So uh, what we started doing is just playing our defense. We, we don't care. You, the, the, the hashes don't matter to us. Now, we will change that if we know, like, we're playing a one-back fly team and we get, like, twins in the boundary with a tight end Z to the field. We have the ability to make a wide call in the old TCU parlance and just play it like that and adjust our coverage in the boundary. If we think you're going to motion back. But we don't even do formation in the boundary checks anymore. We just play our defense and we say, hey, uh, make sure you know we're, we're either doubling the X of the field or that guy that's back end guy is going to be able to play the, the run. And then we just, because we walk our will out of the box now, you know, three motions across, we're going to, you know, if they're motioning across and they're not getting set, we'll play two deep zone. Um, you know, so if they try to speed motion, then run like post wheel or something, we got it matched up. But 
I just got tired of teams. And again, are they are they doing it to suck you in to go back to the field, then then set your defense to the field and call their bluff? If they're doing certain things because they want to simplify looks, like I, I and I was doing the the thing that I used to make fun of people for doing, which is you're letting the offense dictate to you. And and I just felt that I I had a better chance of just doing our thing and adjusting slightly. Yeah. So I don't know that that's not exactly popular. But, you know, teams go in the boundary for a couple reasons. One, do you adjust? If you don't, they're going to throw the screen. So you can press, you know, some people count, like, you know, our offense at Sarah used to count, and some offenses have a hard deck where they won't count you if you're above seven yards. Well, we would bait we would bait people into throwing screens at the boundary because they'd count three receivers, and they would count. We had one guy down over number two, and we had a guy apex, and then the other two guys were past seven yards. And but what they wouldn't account for is with that guy pressing the outside of two. I we were with no vertical responsibility. We denied the tunnel screen to one because we tried to press one, and then they just ran it to two. Right. So with playing outside shoulder number two and really just blowing that thing up, you could take away one or two. Now, if we were in, if we were playing our defense, then I agree with you. I think playing, pressing the corner, and playing the Saban stubby concept is a good answer. So, but you know, are they are they trying to outflank you? Are they trying to suck you in to run to the field? Are they trying to get you to isolate some guys? If you play field and boundary corners, they realize they can get their best guy to the field, and now they got your field corner who's not as good one on one. So that always is a, is a thought to me. If we're playing field and boundary, we're not matching up. So I mean. You basically, what you want to do, and this is really, I mean, you can use this for any answer, and I hate to oversimplify, but find out what they're doing, why they're doing it, and if they're, and and once you figure out why, just do what, what makes them uncomfortable. Our next question is from Justin Denner, who's the defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach at Crestwood High School out in Iowa. His, under, uh, his Twitter handle is the underscore Duke 45, and he's actually... Crestwood is in Cresco, Iowa. Um, so his question is, well, first off, he says he loves the podcast. And he listens every week and he listens during his prep period. Thank you so much. It's messages like that that make this student, you know, doing this really fun. Um, and, and he says he's gotten a lot out of it, which is really helpful. Um, it's, it's really nice to know that I, it makes worth doing it because there's some days I'll be honest with you, boys. Like Thursday nights, really the only, the only nights I get to myself, and I only get a couple hours, and I use those those hours to do this. So I'm glad to know that it, it's helping people, and I'm not just screaming into the wind. Um, and basically, I'm doing what I've always wanted to do, which is to have a hotline, of, you know, where I could call people, so to speak, and say, "Hey, I need help with this. Help me out." But his main question is, "What does your end of the season analysis look like?" And what's the most important thing to do? And he also sends best wishes to my mom, which again, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So I think the self-scout stuff, we don't, and I talked about this last week, we don't self-scout a lot because what we do is so different. And I also don't want to outsmart myself. Like if we blitzed a lot the previous week, but I still think blitzing on second and long, for example, is the best plan to act. I don't want to outsmart myself and be like, well, we can't blitz on second and long because we did that last week. Yeah, okay, well, but it's still the best thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, I've outsmarted myself 
outsmarted because I'm not going to be in Boston about smarting myself in the past, and I don't want to do that. So, um, but for me, where the off-season analysis informs me the most is what to practice in the spring. Don't make up goofy ass routes to try to. Well, what what are people going to do to the, you know, to beat this coverage? And you're sitting there trying to come up with. Well, look what people did the year before. Right. What do you got to defend now? With that said, this past year was kind of useless because we out of the five teams we played, we had five new. Or out of the ten teams we played, we had five new offensive coordinators, and even a couple of the teams that kept the same offensive coordinator. For example, we played Central High School last week. Well, I don't know if you want to call it played. We didn't really play them. We 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 showed up and they we uh we stood there. I guess, I guess that's better. That's a better way to describe it. But anyway, great football team, excellent coach, just an amazing program. But uh, they changed their passing game a lot. They had a magician at QB. Um, they were more drop back pass the year before. This year, they were more RPO play action. Um, you know, they're throwing a lot more glances and things. So even though they had the same guy and really the same offense, they changed a lot of their passing game. So this offseason kind of made me think, hey, maybe you shouldn't um, you know, spent put so much stock in it. So we didn't I didn't last year I didn't put a lot of stock in our, our self scout because I knew it was gonna be very different. And like I said, out of the five returning teams that we played. Uh, with the same staff, two coaches changed their offense enough that if we would have practiced it in the spring or the summer, it wouldn't have mattered. But if you do, or if you are going to see the same stuff, that's what I would say is, is I like to study, and, and this kind of goes to my point earlier about the whole mint front, like one of the struggles that I have is a lot of the places I go to visit are in the SEC. Well, the SEC... I've seen Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and they do their statistics at the end of the year. They see, I think, only 10% 10 personnel. Well, we see uh, 60 to 70 to 80% 10 personnel. And so I'm going to use that self-scout. It's really not even self-scout. It's opponent scout at the end of the year to inform what I will study. And I really learned my lesson. This I started, I learned it too late this last year, but you know, if you're if you're in the Pac-12 and you're studying all these different, you know, defenses and how they're playing Stanford, well, that's great. But do you see do you see a Stanford style offense? Where when I was in the Bay Area, I did the opposite. I would I would seek out the teams that play Stanford because that was our rivals, a 21 personnel team. You know, wing T, double wing. So going and and going in the Big 12, you know, I would go to TCU. And I'd get a lot of cool stuff to defend our own offense in the spring. And then that was about the extent of it. So that's how I use our end of the year analysis. I mean, a lot of it is, I don't, I think the numbers lie to you a lot uh, in that sort of thing, you know, analyzing calls. Now there are some good things. I mean, there's a couple years ago, I picked up on a blitz that we ran that I didn't realize how successful it was, but you know, a lot of times when you look at data, you know, you could, I mean, for example, last week, you know, we brought, we pinched the line, we brought a guy off each edge. We had our guy dead. To, we had the back dead to rights. We missed the tackle. It's still a good call. <laughs> but if I use that in some sort of study and look at the numbers, it's going to be like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore because look at the numbers. Well, yeah, the guy missed the tackle. We ran the same blitz the year before and the guy doesn't miss the tackle. It's a two-yard loss. 
So I'm more of a film guy. I want to watch the film, and I like to make notes. One thing I will, um, I do is I have two documents uh, opened on my phone uh, in the iPhone app, the notes app. I have one called issues, and I have one called um, off-season. And the off-season is all the stuff I want to study. For example, you, you bastard, ran a bunch of empty versus us. I think, was it you yeah. that ran the empty? You ran some empty. Uh, and then everybody else is like, oh, let's run empty versus vast. Well, you can tell what's on the top of my list for studying and for like sell stuff. Like I want to get better at blitzing off the edge next year, you know, finding drills and things. And then I have a document called issues. And those are, I have empty, I have empty FIB. Uh, we saw a team, um, that ran, I'm drawing a blank now. They ran counter OT at a 10 personnel, uh, counter OT read. Um, you know, and I have just things that we've seen over the year that gave us problems that I want better answers for. And so I kind of keep a running list as I go throughout the year. Cause some of the stuff, and this is where this gets lost a little bit. And I know I'm, I'm rambling right now, but some of it gets lost. So for example, let's say I study Bullard and y'all do. I'm just make I'm just making stuff up at this point. But let's say um you know you guys did some empty 4 by 1 diamond formation. I'm just make I'm just pulling stuff out of my ass at this point. And we prepared for it, but I didn't like the answer. But then you don't run in the game. Well, I still need a better answer for it next year in case you decide to run it right. again. You know what I mean? So I think that sometimes I like to look at the set, the scout film to make sure that you don't miss anything because just because Yosef didn't remember or didn't think or that wasn't in their plan to run this and they don't even run this. I don't believe it's just something I'm making up, but that doesn't mean next year he won't be like, Hey, we should run that thing. And so that's one, that's one thing that um, I recommend doing is keeping a running list on. And I, I don't even know if I answered your question, but that's my approach that I take. Yeah. Yo, you want to, you want to yeah, tackle I, that I'm, one? I'm the same way you are as, as far as right now issues and then things I want to study in the off season and things I want to get better at, um, you know, and, and just, you know, this is year two in this kind of mint, mint front or this tight front. I wouldn't even call it mint cause we're really not matching the nickel everywhere that guy goes. We're more of a tight front. Um, but, uh, you know, there's some issues that I still, I, I'm still growing in this defense and I still, I still have a lot of questions and, uh, so, yeah, I want to get out there and learn some more about that. But as far as looking at uh, our defense and, and what I look at in, in the offseason, um, you know, I kind of just stole – I want to look at, the, uh, you know, our goals for the season. Did we accomplish those goals? And so then I'll go back and I'll break down, you know, what, what was our rushing average that we gave up, even though that's tallied throughout the uh, – that's tallied throughout the season by our stat guy – um, I really want to go back and look at those numbers and then, you know, how are we on third down? You know, uh, you know, our goal is 30% or less on, on the conversion uh, on, on for offensive conversion. We want to hold, uh, hold them to 30% or less. Uh, did we accomplish that? So then I'll go back and I'll make a clip of all the third downs. And then I just sit there and I don't really dive into, you know, this scheme beat our coverage in this area. I'll go through at first and I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, Mark, did we did they get it? Did they not get it? And then I'll and I'll kind of figure out our our efficiency rate as far as third down, and then I'll start breaking it down into explosive plays 
or, or, or a cut up of plays where they did get us on third down. And then I'll kind of break down into those areas. But as far as, you know, really diving into any of the other stuff, you know, I'm a huge third down guy. I want to be really successful on third down. And then our red area, you know, 60%, um, no touchdowns. We don't want to give up touchdowns when we, they, when we, when we get into that red area. And especially when we get in the goal line, we don't want to allow rushing touchdowns. And, and so I, I kind of focus more on those areas and, and, and really look at what teams did to us there. Uh, and then is there anything we can do to get better in those scenarios? Is there anything we could do practice-wise to get better in those, those areas? But to me, in the offseason, the things I really look at are third down plays and, and the red area efficiency. Yes, we need to – I don't know. I go back and forth on the whole red area thing because, you know, up until – this year, we didn't see a lot of teams that ran this. They ran the same stuff in the open field, and so what ends up happening is this is the last three years I've done this in my little study column. So I go to every school. So every school I visit, I ask the same questions. I, I like last year was, you know, how do you play three by one and chase the dive and still play two high safeties? Well, nobody found the unicorn. Uh, but one of my ones last year was red zone, and, and and you know I have have access. I built inroads at some places, and um, I visited. I'm able to visit Fresno State, which is about ten minutes from me, and I've developed a relationship with Burt Watts. I was able to um, visit Georgia and Tennessee, ULL, my buddy at TCU, my old boss. I mean, it just I've like an information overload. And I collected a bunch of red zone stuff, and I use a little bit of it, but most of the time, I, and and one thing that I I will say, and I'm going to, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here is, I, I coaches, I don't know, if, I don't know if you experience the same thing, yo, but what I found is early in the year, I'm all about the new toys. You know, I wrote down when I went to Alabama this year, I wrote down a list of all their new stuff or stuff that I really liked. And I made like this giant Excel document, and I have it all categorized. You know, five man pressures um, with cover with man free, five man fires. I mean, literally down to everything. And early in the year, I'm all geared up, and then I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just time or I get tired or whatever. I feel myself. This is the second year in a row where I revert to type. And so as the year goes, the, the longer the year goes on, the more and more I lean on older yeah. stuff. And I remember preparing for this week. Um, and maybe it was just because, like, last week we played an unconventional 10 personnel, super wide split offense of the pistol. And the week before that, we played the double wing. And the week before that, we had a bye. So it's kind of been out of my brain. But, um, you know, I've noticed that I forgot about some of that fun stuff. And I went, I need to go back. I need to look at it. And actually, it helped me last night. I was putting together my, or two nights ago, I was putting together my third down script and thought, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. And, and it's actually something to be really good for this week. It's not just to do it to do it. And so, coaches, if you learn some stuff this offseason, whether it's from the podcast, um, articles, clinics, whatever, you know, take notes, but I have a master file of like new stuff or whatever and categorize it because. I guarantee you that if you went to a football clinic this offseason, this past offseason, you learned something good. But if you're like me, 
you learn it, you think about it, you draw it up, and then it's in February. And then, I mean, the, the Glacier Clinic last year in my area was, I think, Valentine's weekend. Well, that was eight months ago, <laughs> you know, eight and a half months ago, eight, eight months ago, and actually eight months ago to this week. Or whatever. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so have a sort of a have sort of a way to access that information because you're gonna forget it and it's gonna be good stuff. Yeah, I I'm I'm similar to you. I I uh I get all excited at the beginning of the year and we got all this stuff and we had all these different sub packages. We had a nickel package, a dime package, we're running cover five, we're running dime mirror odd and all this stuff, and then we realized, you know, our base defense the personnel wise is pretty good and we can match up pretty well. And so we, we then just said, you know what, let's, let's get into some of these stuff that we were subbing out of and, and eliminate some of the practice time and just kind of keep it within our base personnel because our guys can do it. You know, we're just lucky this year that, that, that our guys could do it. And, and that's another point I, I had thought about it while you were talking um, about the, 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 the end of the year analysis. It's kind of hard because, in high school football, your team switches from year to year so so much when you just graduate a whole class that yeah. you know. And you're not recruiting to replace guys. Yeah, some of us aren't, right? You know, there are there are some coaches out there that, that <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but for the for Shots the money, fired. you got to be <laughs> for the most part though. Uh, you know, it's hard because. I want you to name names, no, Joseph. No, name them. No, name no, them no. right now. Drag no. him. So, uh, you know, for for the most part, um, something that didn't work last year in third down might work this next year with the new crop of guys coming in. Or something that really worked this year might not work next year. You know, right now we're blessed with two four eyes that are pretty special. And, and so a lot of our sim pressures, you know, ram and, and bear and you know those stuff from the kirby smart deal are, are pretty successful for us but i don't know if they're going to be successful for us next year i just don't know if our personnel is going to be that tight and so it's hard to say yeah well we were so great right. with these sim pressures on third down we you know that that has to be a staple well you know it might not work next year because jimmy's and joe's really really make the thing work right well, and what's funny is, and, and to that point, also, and I know we're, we're starting to get way off topic, but it's kind of like the, the trademark <laughs> program, um, the ADD, especially as the as the later it goes, the especially if I'm getting a guy from the East Coast. I had Slade Calhoun on a couple weeks ago. And we went for, we actually talked, I think, for another forty five minutes after we stopped, and the episode was like two hours and twenty seven minutes or something insane, um, but. Also, here's my other soapbox point. Don't forget stuff you did the year right. before. We had a package. We had a little series of plays, almost like a little wing T series. We had a a bluff look with a with a with a drop, with a, a twist and a blitz, and then like with an all out blitz or not all out, but heavy handed blitz. That was really great last year. And we didn't run it this year because I had a bunch of new toys. And that's, I know, first world problems. Oh, poor Vass. Oh, poor Vass. He gets to go to Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee. <laughs> and he has buddies that go to Clemson. Life's just so hard for him. He's just so, he's just, it's just so hard to remember all the cool stuff. I sound like a douche. I know. I'm sorry. 
But in all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, I I am lucky and I do get a lot of information. And what happens is you can learn something cool and you're like, wow, that's really cool. I want to try this. Wow, that's really cool. I want to try this. And then you forget about something that's been really cool that you've done before. And and I know that's I'm rediscovering for the I've been rediscovering for the first time, as I say. Some of the older TCU stuff I've done that's still really good. Um, uh, I I went back and I looked at some old cutups I made four and five years ago from when I went there, and I I put back a blitz and I, I'm like I can't believe I even took this out in the first place. And it's kind of funny I found myself you know I haven't really studied the TCU stuff for the last two or three years, but kind of go, this kind of bringing this all back together. But earlier we talked about hey playing offenses that. You know, if they're running the 2008 version of the spread, you can run the 2008 version of the spread right. defense. You know, if you're seeing a team that's only running zone bubble and they're not doing down the field RPOs, you could do some of the older defensive stuff because you don't have to worry about the other stuff. And so there was some TCU stuff that, and I say TCU stuff, but we did it at Millsaps. That's really freaking good. And I went back and started doing it again because it's like, hey, this other stuff was proved for all the down the field RPOs and stuff. Well, we can cheat. We don't need this. You know, and, and sometimes like and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but you know, I, I don't know if it was versus you or versus the team after we got burned on it, but we were playing we started playing the old Michigan State quarters mm-hmm. stuff. Because we saw a team that was doing things that still worked versus and I was like, you know, and not not to say that it doesn't work anymore. I'm gonna get any hate for that, but we you know, uh, there are certain things that kind of go through the cycle for a reason. Uh, one of the good examples was set aim. So, so set the three to the back, slant the slant the two interior guys. Well, people that used to run that stuff stopped doing it because of power read, because of stretch read, because of the RPOs, zone lock, because that shit's terrible versus zone lock because right. you're you're outgapped. Well, this team he played didn't do any of that. They ran zone read, right. and that was it. And they didn't flip the back, and they didn't do – and so we, we went in the game and ran such a game. And, and that's fine. But anyway, just keep a, have a way to inventory your main concepts so you can always go back and look at them. And one thing I'm going to do this offseason is I'm going to take this one step further, and I'm going to have a 10 personnel. I'm going to have an Excel sheet that's going to say 10 personnel and have it all grouped by personnel groupings and, and have it where it's like, okay – a team that runs 11 and 10 personnel stuff out of 11 personnel and have some of these combo groups or, Hey, this works versus 10 and 11. A lot of the Georgia stuff is good versus 10 and 11 because like I said earlier, they'll see 11 personnel in 10 personnel formations. So a lot of their blitzes for 11 are proofed are 10 personnel proof or 10 personnel alignment proof. So, or it's factored into how they build it. So, Anyway, okay, I promise the snowbox is going away. We got a couple. We got a couple more questions. We we'll have to cut some of the short tonight because we have so many good questions, and on all, some of them are specific, where I will have to reach out directly, and then some of them. Uh, I had a gentleman. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, he plays. It's uh, Coach Kenny. He's a DC at Cuyahoga Heights, um, Cuyahoga Heights and Cuyahoga Heights, Ohio. Um, his Twitter handle is, oh, it doesn't have one. Um, but he, he asked a question about, you know, corners over and playing a corner versus a nub tight end and like a cloud concept. We don't do yeah. that. 
So I don't have a good answer for that. And I'm not going to sit here and make And we talked about this last week. Like, I'm not just going to say something. Just say something. Do you have anything on that real quick before I move yeah, on? Yeah, the, the, uh, we, we don't, we don't like to have the corners. He was talking about the inside tilt. He, he uses a corner. He uses an inside tilt shuffle and normal alignment. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't, we don't do that. We walk our corners over or we play that, that corner back in like a C7 or whatever. We don't, I don't usually, I say usually. Now we will versus 12 personnel versus tight end wing and with like twins at the other side. If a team runs jet sweep, so he can just take the jet guy. But, you know, if they try any BS where they try and run a wheel, but we don't do that stuff. I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, what do you, do you have any yeah, no, there? Yeah, no, we're pretty much the same there. I mean, he's talking about having like a cloud corner or, or playing him and run support on the edge and, and, and kind of run like a cover six scheme. Or, or... Yeah, the question got cut off. I don't know what happened. But yeah, he was talking about playing a cloud corner versus nub trips. Yeah, we we don't we don't we try we and try we I'm try like, not to do that um, because that takes obviously practice time. But I do remember watching a Michigan State uh, clinic and they have a great drill. It's called Boss Drill. Uh, if you could you know maybe get on a uh, YouTube and search that, but they work their they work their corners on that technique and it's it's um, it's a great drill. Uh, we. We don't. We try not to put our corners in run support as much as possible, even though there's times you can't get out of it. Um, but if it's a nub, if it's a nub tight end and it's a short edge, we we you know we might bring some type of pressure off of that edge because we have an extra guy. Right. Yeah, I'm much more. I'm much more likely to believe yes. the corner if he's down there. But that's just that's that's what I was trying to say without uh, saying it. And there was another <laughs> question. Got it. Ten four. Oh, I no, know. I know. I, mean, I, I I'm really besides my 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 too high zone, uh, you know, quarters playing the zone read stuff because we just we do right. so much stuff that it's like I love it. If you give me a short edge and, and I mean I actually the corner I, I'm I'm bringing them. I'm bringing them. Right. Well, you you prepared against us, but you you only had two games of film on us and, and, a, and a pre or a, a scrimmage, so we didn't do a bunch of stuff. But you know, our 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 opponents in league have a have a uh, we we exchange every game, including I don't actually no, we don't do. I'm not sure if we do scrimmages. I think it's like a special thing, but I don't know. I, I never look for them because we don't play till week six, so I'm not <laughs> right doing right. scrimmage. But I feel bad, um, you know, Jerry Campbell at Clovis West, who is the OC, game 10, he's going to have nine games of film. We've run everything you could ever imagine in one year. I'm not saying it's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not advocating it. I'm not saying that's the way to go, or I'm not saying it's even good. But I wouldn't even know where to start. So, like, where do you even start? And, and so... That's where I'm like, whatever. I used to be like super secretive guy. And then I don't know, a switch just flipped. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to tell you everything. So you're worried about everything. And I always talk about like, if I had to play Rich, our head coach at Clovis, or Stephen Lowe, the OC at Bosco, who I was with for six years, was one of my best friends. I, I wouldn't know. I mean, I'd know where to begin, but I would go crazy because I'd be like, okay, I remember in 2014. We played a team week seven, and we had this trick play. Should we practice it? Like it's almost like too much. Yeah. No. 
and Rich and Rich, you know, you're you're Rich, your head coach now. He 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 really knows how to stress those defenses, man. His, his the formations he puts out there. I I just watched that game again, um, going back and just kind of keeping the stats and kind of the 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 off season analysis. But that game, that game could have gone either way. I mean, Rich had us in so many bad situations. It's just you know guys making plays and guys not, but. Um, no, that's not fun going against Rich, and I'm sure I for sure know it's not yeah. fun going against Steve Lowe. You know, especially with those hosses they got. Oh yeah, practiced it live, good on good, because it was a whole team deal. But plus, it's not something you want to do at full speed all the time anyway. Um, oh, they got different personnel groups and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, I mean, anyway. Having having information, having some information is not always good because what ends up happening is, and, and this is kind of my message, I'm going to pull the soapbox out for a 30 seconds, for the young coordinators is that they had a lot of talent, just a lot of bad injury breaks, and they had really good coaching staff, really great guys, and we told our kids all week, and they were just kind of like, you know, it was nothing we could have said. We, we tried every trick in the book to get them motivated, but... um you know, I personnel. This is what we do versus 11 personnel. This is just what we do. And then we spent all that time to think about what they were going to do. And then at the end of the day, they did something completely different. Yeah. And I'm trying to now get five, six yards at least. And they were running like quarterback run game. And, and it was just all this crazy. Oh, my God. So I've, I've gotten off of that in terms of trying to figure out I've every little there. thing. But yeah. all right. So, um. Another question. So this is from Mike Kerr. Um, this is a good question. Mike coaches at Mount Vernon High School in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Well, that's a couple of Ohio guys. Um, his Twitter handle is at Coach underscore Kerr, like Steve Kerr, underscore MV. His question is, how much film do you watch with your team on a weekly basis? Film of your own game, film of opponents, film of practice. You show more or less depending on your opponent. For example, if the team you're playing is not very good, do you show less? This is a great question. I'll let you take this first. Okay, so I, I'm assuming he's talking about what we show to the kids, not not how much we watch on our own. Um, okay, so so Saturday we come in, uh, we do a lactic flush, uh, we stretch them, and then we get our squats in uh, and our and our and our heavy lifts done on Saturday, uh, and then after that we'll watch the whole game with our kids. Um, and, uh, and, and that'll be the last time that we watch the last game with those guys. Uh, obviously the coaches are going to go in and grade the film and, and come back to meetings, you know, prepared to talk about it. I'll watch it probably two more times during the week. Um, but then, you know, Monday we come in and, uh, we're, we're game planning. We have game plan meetings and we're going to, you know, show them cut-ups of uh, certain formations or certain plays that they need to stop. The, the uh, offensive side is going to show them their blitzes and, you know, how they line up to our base formations and, and, and things like that. And then then we then we film practice every day and, and we'll watch practice film every morning uh, right after our lift and our conditioning. Uh, we shorten up our, our lifting. We condition a little bit more Monday, Tuesday, and we shorten our condition, our, our lifting up so we can get the film study in on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then uh, we have a after school Tuesday, you know, we, we go in the evenings 
Um, and so after school Tuesday, we, we go over the game plan again with the kids to make sure they understand it. And then we start to watch practice film and we start to watch the opponent's film so they get to see it again. And then Wednesday mornings, they'll come in. There won't be any lifting or conditioning Wednesday mornings. And then we're watching opponent film and we're watching practice film. Uh, and we're in a situation that we're lucky we can break off and, and, and put the line in one room and the skill in another room so we're not wasting anybody's time. Um, but we're watching something every single day. And then Thursday mornings, we practice in the mornings. And right when we're done with practice, the kids come in after they've grabbed their breakfast and we watch, uh, we watch the opponent film. So we're watching something every day. And then Friday morning before the game, we're watching our opponent film. Um, and so every day something's getting watched. Um, practice is getting watched every day as much as possible. Uh, and then opponent film really starts to pick up probably Tuesday uh, and then really heavy on Thursday, Friday opponent film. Nice. That's great. My answer is going to disappoint. So we do not watch a lot of film and there, the main reason is I am off campus. I work in the district, but I work at another school. And this year I've started to wave the white flag because what was happening was it takes me a while to game plan. It takes me a while to do stuff. Um, I'm not quick with it. It takes me a while to absorb the information and really grasp it. Um, and so I just take a long time to game plan. Like I don't, it's not till really Monday at like one o'clock. Do I really know what I'm about to talk about on the field? I just, and even still, there's been weeks where I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw out a basic plan, kind of something in the ballpark that I want to do. Because my whole theory is the kids will remember what you tell them first. And so I don't want to come out with some cockamamie thing that's not fully vetted out and everything has been thought through, you know, so I'm just putting this thing out just to put something out. And then um, it's terrible. But why I bring up the school is as I've weighed the white flag in the sense that we get out supposedly, you know, we're supposed to get done at three. Our school gets out of like two 30 or two 40 where the kids are, but I'm not on campus. And so we get done at three, but I'm usually, I just run out of time. And so basically what we started doing is last year I was running to get there to start practice at three 30 and I'm off campus. I have to change I have to go change, get to my car, drive to the campus, get out, walk. And usually either I eat an early lunch or I eat no lunch. And I can't, I'm not one of those guys that can like go all day with, I need to eat something. So we were stressing out, trying to get there. And it was just this one, it was just a nightmare. So we said, you know what? Give Vast till four to get there. And so we do some special teams and some tackling circuit stuff early which allows me to spend some extra time scripting because yet last year I get to practice and I was, I didn't have stuff scripted because I ran out of time. Uh, I w- just, it was a, sh- it was a nightmare. And I'm like, why am I, I'm running here to stand around for a walkthrough. And then I'm, so I'm rushing here to do a walkthrough. Then I'm standing around for 15 minutes during special teams or 10 minutes. And then I'm the clock guy for the tackling circuit. I'm like, why don't we get somebody else to do the clock? Give me an extra half hour to get my life together. And so I'm not running out the door and all freaked out and stressed out. And it's been so much better. And so I don't get to practice till four. And we start Wednesday and Tuesday and Wednesday. The kids watch practice with the other assistants from three to three 30. And then we're on the field at three 30. I get there around four. 
I mean, the kids are watching film. I haven't even, I'm not, I'm still working. So then on Monday right. we are on the field at three ten, and I just bolt out of there as fast as I can. And we just started doing this week is we have a, a meeting after on Mondays where we go practice and we, we kind of reinforce the keys of the week and, it's we 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 go over instead of installing in the classroom and then going fast on the field we install fast on the field go through it and then we do corrections and i don't watch a lot of practice and one of the things that i've told our guys is like listen if you want to play football you got to do some homework and so we have i've made a list of all the things that i can't replicate myself in an install room and making those video installs with the audio voiceovers takes forever it's just i don't i run out of time so we make the kids, we make notes on the practice. Our assistants make notes on the practice, and we use that time. Like, hey, this is your time when you're by yourself. You're responsible for this. And so they have to watch practice on their own with the notes. And we explain if they have any questions. We'll say, hey, ask, you know, Texas or whatever. So that's what we do. So they watch special yeah. teams film on Tuesday with some defense, and then Wednesday's heavy defense. And then we don't really get to watch as much film, as, and then except for Saturdays when we come in and we watch the previous games. But even Saturdays now, like, I mean, it's good to have the Saturdays, but being in California, we are allowed to have sideline replay. So we're correcting that stuff yeah. in real time during the game. So I can't tell you how many times we're in the in the film being like, all right, we told you this last night, this is what you have to do. Yeah. And you know what? That that happens in our in our meetings too, now that you say that, now that I think about that. Yeah, we, we get to we get to correct in game and that that's been huge. Um but our Saturdays, our our Saturdays, just depending on how we played, you know, the last game we lost, we were in there for quite some time. Um, but, you know, this last game, you know, we played pretty well. And we got to about the third quarter and then called it. Um, so I guess it just depends on, on, on week to week on that Saturday. But we try to watch as much. We, we focus a little bit more on the week on us than we do the opponent as far as film. We really try to focus on practice film, but when we get to the end of the week, then we really try to focus on the opponent and, and showing them. Right. No, that's good. I, I just, we run out of time and, and, and I, and I just, I take forever to do stuff and, you know, um, I'm trying to get out of there as fast as I can so I can come home and start working on the next day. And so, I don't think everybody always understands that or understands my rationale, but you know, I tell our guys like, listen, some of this is going to have to be on you. Like we have this technology, you know, you all have huddle accounts for a reason. So here's your homework. And if you don't want to watch and, and I do little things like I'll hide secret messages in the film. And so it'll say like, text me your favorite middle school teacher or whatever. So I know that they're watching. And then if I get a, I, yeah. everybody texts me once I know they're, of it and they're telling each other and we have to do certain things like that but we have to put we in the situation that i'm in you know we have to put a lot of it on the kids and hey listen my For message sure. to them is we go through all this pain and misery of year-round training and practices and getting physically whooped and now you're gonna now you're not gonna watch a few minutes of film like really this is this is where you draw the line so that's kind, <laughs> right. of, my, no, kind that, of my message that, to them that that's frustrating and it and it is hard if you don't have on-campus coaches, you know, it's very hard to, to, to do that with your staff. Um, I'm lucky right now that this first year that the administration got some guys on campus for me. Um, but I couldn't imagine coming from off, off campus and trying to get all that done. It's, it's too, too hard. So yeah, I, I'm with you 
Well, I did it before, but I, I had my own deal where our head coach was the owner of the business and he was very understanding. Like I would do lunch. I mean, we had lunchtime walkthroughs. We had all sorts of stuff. I don't have that anymore. Right. Um, right. So I got a couple questions left. I'm going to go through these pretty quick. Um, I'll take this one. Peter Noonan, who's uh, coaches EBs and is the DC at St. Gertrudis Academy in Kingsville, Texas. Great dude. Dr. Noonan. His Twitter handles at coach noon, like uh, 12 o'clock noon. 45 his question is um what is Saban's seahawk coverage um he said he saw it in a facebook group but he thought he'd ask yoda well i'm not yoda kyle kogan is i will tell you what i know seahawk to be it's changed a few times seahawk used to be an fib check which is basically stubby so you have the corner pressed on one the nickel has usually in stubby has the two vertical unless three comes out the money or the the walked out backer posts three and then the strong safety the deep safety at reads three to two so it is my understanding and then you get mega cone on the backside now it is my understanding that seahawk is the fib version which is basically stubby but the star has all of two unless three comes out so not just three vertical. So the the money backer, the apex of three in the end man is going to stay on his guy no matter what. And he's not going to come on. So if you get like shallow or a drive concept, he is not going to come off on the shallow. And the star will take uh, the number two and the drive back to the field. And the reason is, you know, you don't want to get some stud uh, matched up on a backer, especially if you're nickeled. You know, some backer chasing a shallow crosser when he's not even originally looking at that guy. So even though he starts a little further inside, it's FIB, so he's really not that much further inside. And he's starting to wall number three and then has to go, oh, crap, and come off on the shallow. And he's a lesser athlete. We might as well just have our nickel chase the crosser all the way across the field. Now, it's changed its meaning. In fact, I don't think they're even, they even do it anymore. I think there's another coverage that they, they have. But that is what I know it as. So I don't know if you have any other info on that, Coach. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I've studied Nick Saban stuff. I did have a Seahawk um, write-up, and I'm looking for it on my computer, and I cannot find it right now. But I, I, I do know it is a TRIPS coverage. Um, and I could not give you detailed what it is at this moment. Um, I'm really looking for it on my, my, my computer right now, but I can't find it. Um, but I think you're, I think you're right. Right. I think one of the other adjustments is, and, and I don't quote me on this. This is an idea, but this is a question for Kyle. Um, more than, more than me, but. I think because the money backer is going to stay on number three all the way down the field and the star is going to take two back inside, the strong safety who usually has three vertical and stubby, because he's got help on that that money carrying three all the way down the field, I think that the, the strong safety now will take the deeper of two and three rather than taking three vertical. I could be wrong. 
it stands to reason because usually what happens in stubby is the strong safety has the vertical of three and the money is posting three, which means he's going to, he's going to take him up to about 10 to 12 yards. And then he's going to look for work and he's not going to run all the way down the field with him. Well, if you're putting the money all the way down the field on uh, the number three receiver, then you don't need the strong safety manning him up, so to speak. If he's on a vertical as well, it's overkill. So now it becomes more of like uh, it, it, he's going to take the deeper of the two routes. So that that was the other adjustment. Also, you can play more inside yeah. because it is FIB. If I uh, if I ever have a question on some this stuff, I always end up texting you or or I, I DM uh, Kyle. So I, I'm pretty sure yeah. you're spot on right there. I'm a I'm a good first line of defense because I don't have the uh the understand the depth of understanding of that Kyle does on everything um if I'll ever get there but I've been I've been looking at it for many years and so I know and not that Kyle doesn't at all I just I know a lot of the history of the stuff and and kind of where it comes from and where it's gone and I'll tell you I am not a BSer as you know if you listen to this program if I don't know I'll tell you I don't know and I'll tell you who to talk right. to so, um, you know, I want to, uh, but that's what I think it is, but it has changed and it's gone back and forth. So that's the, it's not so much that like, I don't know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's changed from year to year. One time it meant, it used to mean like it was stubby on the front side and two trap on the back side, or there was another cover. It, it's kind of convoluted, but that's, that's what my understanding is that it, it, that it is now. All right. Two more questions. Pretty quick. And then uh, I'm going to let you go so you can go hang out with your beautiful family. Um, this question's from Zach Wettenegel, who's the D.C. and safeties coach. God, this is, this is hard. At Waukesha North High School in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Z underscore wet, W-E-T-T. And his question is he likes the idea of cover one and implementing it. And his question is, what do you look for in an athlete to make sure he checks all those boxes when playing man coverage? And do you have any variations similar to cover one that you like to run in game to give opponents a different look? So I'll start with this one. We're going to play man coverage until we can't. I'm more of what is a guy, what does a guy absolutely not have to make talk me out of it rather than what does he have to convince me to play it? We're going to play man I think in 2019, you have to, especially against 10 personnel, you have to have some variation of man. I'm not saying you have to hang your hat on it, but I think to defend the RPO game and that sort of stuff, I think you do have to have some sort of variation of man, even if it's a Ripley's match concept where you're playing match principles where you're matching a route, but it's not completely man on man. I mean, I always laugh because a lot of the cover three old cover three guys goes, oh, we can't play man. We don't have the dudes for it. Well, what happens when your corner runs a fade or the receiver runs a fade and your corner's got him down the field? It's, it's man. It, no. And so there's some things that you can do for lesser athletes to back them up and, and for the footwork. But we are going to play some sort of man concept. And a lot of things that we do, because one, nothing drives me crazier than safe and easy throws. Um, and I think that you have to make the quarterback earn the earn those yards. 
and they just think it, it solves a lot of your RPO problems. Yeah. So we don't really, I mean, they can do it or they can't. I don't really look at traits or like, oh, well, he doesn't have the length. And it's, it's you know, and, we, and a lot of things that we do is we play outside leverage in our slots. So we sometimes, so we can funnel that guy and get some help. Like, you know, if you have one terrible man defender, I mean, don't overcomplicate it. If you have one terrible man defender and you're playing a three by one team, stick him on the number three guy, play outside leverage. He's got short funnel. He's got short help from the funnel and the rat. He's got you got deep help in the middle with the middle safety. Play him, play him low shoulder and outside, and you know funnel him his ass inside. Now if they run three on corner routes and he's really good, okay, well then don't do that. But you know what I mean? Like we have to be able to play some sort of man coverage. I know that does not answer your question uh, specifically, but that's my thoughts on it in terms of different versions to play cover one. There's a million things you can do, and it depends on if there's two backs or one back. I will say that um, one of the things that I'm really starting to like versus 10 personnel is giving the illusion of two-man and then dropping low-hole, high-hole. Um, I think that if you're playing like a dime package, uh, especially you know where we like to run the odd mirror stuff where you're walked up your backers, you're giving a 5-0 look up front, and you're showing two-man, so it looks like blitz on the front end, but it looks like two men on the back end and quarterbacks are like, Oh my God. And they, like, what's going to happen here? Cause they, I'm looking, it looks like max coverage, but you're showing me max pressure. I think it kind of spooks them a little bit. And then, you know, you run low hole, high hole and you talk them and you rob certain routes and you, and you can really, if you do it right, you can basically get a double on number two and three in trips. Um, so that's some things I like. I like, um, we don't do it a whole lot, but we have done in the past. We run, some people call it the Fox concept, where or the key concept where in man-free, you play corner on one. Like, say if you're playing a sniffer team, you got the corners on one, the nickel on two, and then your deep safeties are rocking and rolling. Your backers have the deep back. Your safeties are fitting off of the, the sniffer. I mean, you can do some things like that. So... Those are some things off the top of my head, how to play cover one and give different looks. I don't know if you want to weigh in here, Yosef. So, you know, he was, you know, asking about some traits or things you look into, you know, for, you know, I'm kind of the same way as you. We got to be able to run some man coverage. So there's not like any like lengths or things that are going to, to deter me from running it. Um, You know, I, I would say, you know, the best guys that have been able to run cover one or you know man coverage have been the cockier of the guys you know um they 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 kind of they thrive in those moments but some drills some that i think are important or some skills that i think are important that that have to be ran or or um you know the in phase out of phase drill and that goes with everything every coverage really but you you got to teach them how to play in phase and you got to teach them how to play out of phase and, and that has to be worked every single day um, and, and they got to, they got to, they got to learn the finish and they also got to learn the start. So, you know, we work, we work our press releases and, and, and how are we going to handle a stutter get off or how are we going to handle a, a quick, a quick release and, and, and those things. And so to me, the, the, the keys to getting somebody to play good man coverage is, is number one, you work the starts every single week and you work the finish every single day. Um, and, and, and if you, you really dive into those aspects of it, um, you know, 
the length of a guy, especially at the high school when you can't recruit or, or you shouldn't, is just uh, you you, you got to really teach them. <laughs> you got to really teach them how to uh, how to start, uh, you know, and be successful. And then how how are they going to finish? And the, and the scenarios when they're going to finish. And, and you know, the in phase out of phase drill is an extremely important drill for for our football program. And we do it in the open field, and we do it also in the goal line because they change. Um, as far as how you're turning and, and things like that. So, uh, and you also got to work some, some, some off man, because, you know, your safety, you know, when he's in, in some type of pattern match and he gets too vertical and he's playing off man now. And so you got to teach him in phase, out of phase in the middle of the field. And, and when he's playing 10 yards off. Um, so, so to me, those are extremely important teaching aspects as far as, uh, as far as teaching man coverage or, or, you know, cover one, I think that those will go through everything. And obviously wear your eyes, you know, uh, when you're, when you're in phase, are, are they on the hip? You know, uh, how do you play a back, how do you play a, a back shoulder fade and, and how do you prepare your kids for that? You know, and, and those, those are the drills that throughout the week, you really got to work. And to me in phase out of phase is every is the whole season and that's pretty much every day and then you you know your your press release and your starts uh how how you're going to handle receivers get offs and 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 that such are, are have to be worked as well if you want to be a good man team right do you use those Matt Patricia or the Patriot drills that I want to say James was probably James posted on Twitter with um how they work their out of phase drills have you seen those you know what I'm talking about I have, uh, and and we do we do use those, and we also use the Will Muschamp stuff, um, and uh, and kind of how they they play, you know, even on a drag route, you know, they tailpipe it um, where they get directly behind instead of playing like a high shoulder, low shoulder, um, and things Why like that. that. But yes, we because they don't want to get rubbed off with the mesh, you know, uh, if they're playing a high shoulder, they don't want to they don't want to run into the to the other guy coming or, or run into a, a, a linebacker. So when they're going through traffic and they're playing like a drag route or something, they call it a tailpipe. So they, they get directly behind because now they can play. Uh, now they can play with, the, you know, with a, with a hand, with the backhand wrapped around and the front hand swatting and, and they're not going to get picked off or rubbed by any other routes coming through. This conversation is depressing me a little bit just because and, and for the, for, not because of what you're saying or like, I don't like what you're saying, but, it, it, you know, I, I, I have no excuse because you're a head coach. I'm not. But I feel like being a coordinator around here and there's so much stuff you got to worry about. You know, I spend so much time on this other stuff and I feel like I'm, I'm cheating my guys in terms of just some of the techniques and fundamentals. Like I'm sitting here and be like, yeah, we need to work that. God, I'm a terrible position coach. Honestly, I mean, just all, all, you know, excuses aside, I think, I honestly think with my job and certain things, and, you know, I know you guys aren't here to listen to me complain about my gig, but, and I'm not complaining. It's one of the coolest jobs ever, but working at the online school, but one of the problems is because I'm not there before practice, because I'm not there, I'm big on walkthroughs, and because I'm not there, we have to eat Indo time to do walkthroughs. And, yeah. and so we've had to eat uh, Indo time and I just, and we've had to teach things in groups and one-on-ones and things. And 
Uh, I don't want to get too much in a soapbox because I've already pulled it out a couple times, but I really don't understand. Maybe I'm just a dinosaur at this point, uh, but I don't understand how coaches don't want to run. Some of these guys in the offices are talking about not running one-on-ones ever. It blows my mind because I'm all for reps, but sometimes, you know, we don't get a ton of film time. Like, I, I don't get to watch one-on-ones with the players. And right. so, you know, you have to really coach up in those route during those times. And, and, uh, you know, I just, I feel like we rely too much on those group periods to do stuff. And I need to go back. I need to go back. And part of it was, and again, not to get in the weeds too much, but I lost my bye week this year because I was home visiting my right. mom, which is usually when we do a lot of the cleanup stuff. Well, now my poor safeties coach had to coach five guys five different positions or four different positions of being, you know, three different safeties in a corner. And, and, you know, he's trying to coach his safeties up and stuff. And now he's trying to do corner work and you can't really, besides footwork and ball drills, it's hard to do crossover stuff with them. And so in today's game, in my opinion, I could be completely wrong, but you know, I just, I feel like our guys get robbed sometimes because I'm like, yeah, I need to go spend 10 minutes with the backers. Yeah. I need to go spend 10 minutes with the line. And I always my position group on the corners coach is I feel always suffers. So it's it's not. I mean, I, I was joking about being depressed about depressed in this, but it is motivating me to say, you know what, Monday, I don't care what we're gonna see. We need to go back to basics. We need to work the in phase, out of phase, where you're just working that part of it that you can't just you know rely on one on ones because they may. I mean, they may do a good job and not get out of phase but maybe once every other day and you're trying to coach that up while you're trying to watch the next kid go. And, you know, that's all well and good that the yeah. kid's not getting out of phase and he's doing really well, but you still got to teach him how to get out of bad, you know, bad positions. So yeah. anyway, uh, okay. Last question. And then uh, I'm going to peace out. I'm sorry. This has gone way longer than uh, I told you it would. So thank you for being yeah, a trooper right. and, and, and hanging out. Uh, well, I glad. did find my C. I did find I did find my Seahawk notes. Um, okay, go for it. So tell, tell us what it is. Well, I mean, I, it, this could be completely wrong, right? Because everybody that studies Saban is just kind of hoping it's right, right? But it's basically just like you said, right? So it's playing playing much like uh, much like Stubby, um, except instead of pressing one, they play a little bit off. Don't know how true that is. Haven't done enough film study. Uh, the star is playing the first out by two or three. Uh, the the money is man-to-man on three unless he goes out, and then the safety is bracketing, bracketing the deeper routes of two and three. So it plays like seven bracket, okay. but with this kind of a stubby stubby philosophy where you're taking away one. Does it say about the star taking two back inside if he goes inside? My notes are not that detailed, so... No, I, I mean, just it just you. stands. It stands to reason that if the money is man on three, unless he goes out, that, that, two, that, that the stars man he on has two the star has to take yeah. two back inside, or else they have to break that rule. Yeah, because something one of the things I had didn't say it explicitly, but I know that that's the case because otherwise, I mean, how would you? Who, who's going to take it if you're man on if you're making good on the backside? You know, if the back is weak, it doesn't say it's an FI. So some of the stuff I have, it didn't say it was an FIB check. And it's not necessarily a 
it has to be an FIB check, but that's the only, that's when they use it. Um, there's another one. So I don't know. I'm just going to move on because I don't want to confuse the, <laughs> the listeners and, and, and start going down and getting in hot water. So, oh, this is my, this is my special. I, should, I don't know if it's my specialty, but it's something I played a lot. Uh, the question is, next week we play an I-Formation 21 personnel team, a rarity for us. We're about 50-50 playing four or five-man fronts. When you were in your four-man front, where do you like to play your strong side D-end? And are there any stunts you particularly like? They run traditional I-Formation run game, power, counter, ISO weak, toss, counter boot, strong weak. Thanks for all you do. Uh, for high school coaches. So first of all, thank you. And this is, sorry, I'm, I'm slipping. This is uh, my buddy, Mike Martin. Uh, great dude. He's the defensive uh, coordinator at Stellicum High School in Stellicum, Washington. His Twitter handle is at msmartin0208. So when we play an I team, by rule, we ch- you know everything we do is with that caveat is we change stuff all the time. By rule, we are playing a six technique. This is something I've gone back and forth with for many years. We play head up on the tight end. We are reading the hip of the tackle. Um, We are not messing with the tight end. And I used to be a big seven technique guy. And then my old boss, Brandon Lechtenberg, kind of opened my eyes. Uh, We were getting ready to play Dale Sal. And they had, I think it was when they had Devin Asiasi, who's starting at UCLA. And the year before, they had Justin Hooper, who started as a rookie in the Super Bowl for the Atlanta Falcons. So, yeah. Anyway, so uh, he said, why would you get into a seven technique? You're given a, a good blocker or a bad blocker, a potentially bad blocker, a good angle on one of your best players. Well, in Dale Sal's instance, it was a good blocker, a good angle on you. And, you know... Yeah. He says, you don't want to turn that into a dick measuring contest. You want to be able to, pardon my French. Uh, He goes, you know, those guys, they want you there. They want to down block you and be there. He goes, if you play a six technique and you're head up, and particularly versus 21 personnel teams and those I teams, this this still holds true. As you know, well, especially Dale Sal, you know, runs their own sled progression. But if you know anything about Dale Sal, you're from the West Coast, you know they're infamous for their sled progression. And it's nothing it's nothing earth-shattering in the sense that, like, when you watch it, you're like, yeah, that's a sled progression. But just the way their theory about getting their second step in the ground quicker than yeah. you. And I know a lot of people say that, but they literally film their all of their sled drills and will even do, like, notes on them up until the day before the state championship game. When they played Modern Day a couple years ago, they did their sled drills two days before the state game, their last real practice. They're still filming their sleds. That's 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 not paying lip service to it, sleds. No, it's um, impressive. It's crazy. And so we we're gonna line up some like, you know, you're gonna line up inside on them and let those monsters just have a free shot on you and do their sled drill. He said, What you wanna do is you wanna line them head up. And then when they get in their their stance, now you're head up. They're going to want to fire off at you, especially because when they play, they play a lot of six technique and they play it like they step, they step at the tight end and try to control the tight end and all that stuff. 
He goes, and why they're stepping at you, you're stepping down. So what he said was, line up in a six, line up head up, but key the tackle. And I also learned this from Dick Bumpus, who was at TCU. So he said, line up, head up, read the hip of the tackle. If the tackle's down, you're down. You're stepping flat. And you're almost in like a frog stance. It's weird. It's a weird deal. It's a special technique. And if you're in a six, they can't arc you. Because while that tight end's arcing out and trying to influence you, you're reading the tackle. The tackle's down, I'm down. I go play down flat inside, and I don't worry about the tight end. And you actually get into your pass rush faster. Because, again, instead of trying to mess with the tight end, you know, your, your eyes are on the tight end. He's trying to release. You're not sure what's going on. He's not sure what's going on. You line up in a six. You read the tackle. You see the tackle jump set, pass set. Here it comes. And you're able to get in your pass rush faster. So what ends up happening is when you play those teams that really want to get their second step in the ground faster, they're stepping at you and you're stepping down and you're in the gap and now they're having to change directions. And, you know, he said, remember, when you're in that position, your goal is not to jack up the tight end. Your goal is to play the C-gap. And he goes, that's how you play the C-gap. You step flat and you make the ball go outside. And so we switched to the six technique, and I'll never go back. I should say never, but it would be a lot to go back. In fact, we played a team that will remain, uh, remain nameless that actually uses the Dale style blocking progression. And we actually got them to change how they blocked because what was happening was they were trying to fire off at us, and we would step flat while they were stepping vertical, and we'd get down inside almost every play. And so what they started doing was they started false stepping in place. So they would literally like pat their feet, wait for us to go down and then fire off the ball and block us down. And they actually started watching us that way. But if you get a team that prides themselves on getting their second step in the ground before you do and firing off the line to false step in place, I mean, I consider that a small victory. So then what we did is we lined up in a six technique. We started to step flat like we were going to play our normal technique and then got vertical. And, you know, knock the crap out of the tight end. Um, but it just it has caused so many problems that I've now six years running. I do it like that. And again, we do things where like, you know, we'll slant the guy outside. We'll slant the guy inside. You know, if the tackle's stepping down, we have tools in our toolbox. Hey, the tackle's stepping down. Our guy's not recognizing it fast enough. We need to get him down in there. We can do that. So that's kind of how we play that technique. We'll play a nine sometimes. We'll still play the seven every once in a while. Um, but that's how I like to play the eye stuff with the six technique. I don't know, Coach, what your experience with that is. Yeah, so I mean, pretty much we play, you know, that we play over front the same way you're talking about. We'll play them. We don't play them head up, though. I really like what you're saying, though, about playing them head up, and I may need to adjust that. But we did play them inside shape. Um and we keyed the we keyed the tackle as well, um, but I do like what you said about that. Uh, don't don't give an inferior blocker a good angle on you. Um, that 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 really hit me and made a lot of sense right now. Um, so right. I may have to go back and look at that. Um, but we we would play inside shade at that Stanford end technique and and read that tackle and, and, and play ball like that. And for us, it's it's. It's simple because it's just four eye keys, right? You know, your 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 visual key is the inside guy, even though you're lined, even though you're you're lined up on your pressure key. Um, but my favorite, I love running an under front. 
against the, in the high front. Uh, I, I back team 21 personnel. I love walking the Sam down um, and, and playing him outside shade and, and sliding our, our strong end down to a, a five shade uh, for, for a five shade for my counting system is outside shade of the tackle. Um, and then playing, you know, playing some type of uh, cover one behind it and, and really bringing down the safety. Um, if it's a, if it's true eye back, then we'll bring down the strong safety uh, to about six yards or to the heels, heels of the linebacker. And then we'll, uh, you know, we got tight end vertical or across. Um, our Sam backers playing first to the flat uh, between the tight end and the fullback. Um, and we, and we play that same, that same kind of stack look, uh, even if the, the fullback is set strong. So some people call it a King formation or a near formation, um, but we'll still have that. And then we teach our, our linebackers, you know, uh, and our safety that's in the run fit, you know, uh, it, it's the two outside guys are slow players and that middle guy's a fast player and he has no pass responsibility and he is filling. And then those slow players are going to basically play the cutback and, you know, their pass responsibility. And, and the reason I like the under front so much is because it does cover up that weak side linebacker. You really can't get to that guy. Um, and then, you know, if they're offset in a, a far formation with the, with the back away from the tight end or the fullback away from the tight end, some people call it queen, some people call it far. Uh, then we'll rock and roll the other way with the safeties. Not, not really getting that backside safety into the middle of the field right now. Um, he'll play. He'll play ten and two on the, you know, on the tight end because he's still got to have alley support over there. But then at the snap, he'll rotate middle field, and then we go slow, fast, slow uh, with our safety, our will, and our mic, um, and kind of playing it that way. And now, you know, when teams get into that far formation or that queen formation, they're trying to run some type of RPO out there when now you got a safety that's just kind of sitting there uh, and, and he's a slow filler and he's, he's reading that, 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 that fullback. And if he's releasing to the flat, um, that's kind of, that's kind of the, where we've had the most success at, you know, I, I got that from, uh, I got that from Bob Stoops um, in Oklahoma when I studied it. Um, and uh, I kind of just fell in love with it because it's been really successful for us in that, in that personnel. Gotcha. Yeah, we're we're unorthodox. We play basically an over front, but with an under front Sam linebacker. So we're playing a three, gotcha. six, and a nine. Um, gotcha. And then a safety like six to ten yards off, two to three yards outside. So if you're, now let me ask you this: When you're getting a down block and then under front, that tight end down blocks. Are you are you spilling the fullback or with the fullback? Or are you going to box him back inside? Well, we're going to box it with our Sam. We don't want to spill it to space. We want we want to we want to box it to. Uh, so we so our rule because uh, me and you I think have talked about this before. Um, our D linemen are going to spill. Our linebackers when they have mm-hmm. to play on the edge are going to box. Right. And that's just that's just we 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 keep it consistent. Um, you know, uh, and especially in that defense, that particular defense, because we're in man coverage. I, you know, just the rule of thumb that I was always taught is you don't want to spill it in man coverage because you're who you're spilling it to, you know. So, right, we uh, we 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 near arm, or or you know, we've actually been trying to really study that dent technique. You know, it's kind of a near arm, wrong arm hybrid, but we we haven't we haven't we haven't committed to it fully. So we we true near arm it, 
uh, keep it in the box, keep it where all of our our players are, and try not to spill it to space. Right, I got you. Yeah, that's where we're a little different. So we play, we play a three, a six, and a nine, and then we have that safety like an under front quarters. So it's basically under quarters, but we're playing a th- uh, with a, a three strong and a one weak, but everything else looks the same. If that makes sense. And the reason I like it is because we saw some teams, we tried to play the under, and they got two double teams at the point of attack. They were able to double the one and double the uh, – we saw a team that was able to double the one and double the five um, and cut off the backside three, and so they could still run power. And they, so they were gotcha. still able to get two double teams at the point of attack. And what helped us was when we went to the three, the six, and the nine, they could only get one double team. But no, I like that. I like that a lot. Doing some things, and it, you know, you have to. We used to play the old robber technique where you slid your linebackers over because you lose the alley safety because he's outside, he has to be spilling. Um, you, um, you got to balance the backers up back to 10 and 30s, strong 10 and a weak 30, or else. You know, we used to play the Virginia Tech, you know, 40-I and a, and a 10, stack the wheel linebacker on the nose and all that stuff. But you can't do that or else you're too – you're too uh, – you have too many people strong and not enough people weak. And that is the one thing about the – you know, when you're playing an eight-man front is most people don't run weak on you plus one. And so right. it was like, okay, we're going to play. We're going to be plus one with numbers and then – have the you have the numbers you want to the strong side, which I know sounds counterintuitive, but I mean, if you're an off tackle power team, have fun running at a three, a six, and a nine that's spilling. I mean, how do you run? How do you run over there? I mean, unless because if you are, because the way because people are like all right, well, we're arc on your nine, your your six and your nine. Okay, well, our six is not looking at our six is looking at the uh, is looking at the tackle. And so we had some crazy battles in the Bay Area with Sarah and St. Francis, that, those defenses. And it's funny, when I did that, I put that defense in, and I brought, I slanted the line strong, played Robert to the, to the tight end side, and played man to the backside and brought a weak side safety. And I literally eliminated, I mean, we played the Bear, we brought four strong, we had all these goofy, it didn't say goofy, but we had all these stunts and blitzes and all this crap and. I was literally able to take our two back defense to two calls. Uh, and if you disguise them well and they can't tell which one's coming, it's just, it's a nightmare. And so yeah. anyway, um, enough, enough blabbering on about that coach. I want to thank you for your time. Uh, you know, I, I was, I swore when I picked up the phone to call you that I wasn't going to keep you more than an hour. We're now two hours and eight minutes into talking. Um, I I can't help myself when I talk to you. I have so much fun talking football and the time just goes by so fast. So I just want to thank you for your time. Uh, I I know you're, you're busy during the season and you got a young family. You're a young guy, got a young family. And so I appreciate you taking time away from them in the middle of the season to talk some shop with me. And I hope you had fun. For sure. I did. I appreciate it, coach. I'm honored and and humbled to be on your show. I, I really thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I mean, I ha- I feel like I have to now after you beat us. Like I felt like it was, you know, you beat us, and I had to have you on. And 
you got bragging rights for a, for a year and you know feel free to flame me on twitter in any uh any given time <laughs> you deserve it, right no 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 never that you guys are uh, you guys are a solid coaching staff and uh, that game was uh that game could have gone either way uh, but it went your way so congratulations coach and good luck the rest of this year i'll be uh, and i'll be talking to you and we'll uh uh, I still got a little bit of that uh, whiskey you brought me for uh, the, the housewarming gift, and uh, so we'll have to get together in the off season. You have to come over, and we'll have to get on the board. For those okay. of you who haven't seen any live streams I've done um, when I've been home, I have two giant whiteboards in my living room. You can tell I'm a single guy because I have two giant. And that's literally I was more worried about where there those were going to go than I was like where the TV was going to go. <laughs> And so yeah. I remember when you walked in, you're like, "This is pretty cool." <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was so awesome. Lot to get on the board, it was awesome. And then when you, then all right, brother, the, the, the film, the film on the TV, and we got on the whiteboard, that was great. But yeah, no, thank you, coach. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I got the Apple TV hooked up next to the boards too. That's good stuff. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, coach. Talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. I thank Coach Ferris for coming on. If you want to follow him on Twitter, his handle is at Coach underscore Ferris. That's at Coach underscore F-A-R-E-S. Appreciate your time. Good luck this week, and I'll see you next Saturday. And as always, remember, the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes. 